look forward to the Olympics with uh, with great expectations. I think that it'll be a celebration that the world together has worked through this, you know, very uh, devastating time of COVID-19, that we will be in a, a safer place to be able to um, host the Olympics and celebrate uh, overcoming uh, as, as the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. This is ATR editor and founder, Ed Hula. Our guest on today's edition is one of the world sport leaders dealing with the aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic and the postponement of the Tokyo Olympic Games. We uh, are working remotely. Um, we've taken a number of different actions because, on, you know, just like uh, other federations, I think that the, you know, COVID-19 crisis has made us all uh, pause and, and think a little bit about how we, we run the business and what we do. We happen to be uh, in, a, in a board meeting in, uh, in early March, uh, around the 11th, 12th in, uh, in Lausanne, and uh, things were just beginning to, to develop then. Um, we returned uh, to London, and um, within four days, um, the lockdown started, so people began to work uh, from home. Uh, we had conversations with the board, and so we made a decision that you know we really needed to take some some actions in the uh, in the short term um, to the long term. So we um, made an announcement that whereby um, about half of our staff has been furloughed for a three month period. Um, I've taken a thirty percent reduction in my uh, my salary um, and. Uh, our senior team has taken a 20% reduction, and the remaining employees um, that are working have taken a 10% reduction. And uh, those last two groups uh, are, are working uh, four-day uh, weeks instead of five-day weeks during this three-month period. And we've also looked at uh, a number of our other uh, costs and found ways, um, you know, with, with tennis not being played in many nations, some of the efforts uh, are, uh, you know, don't need to happen in, in various departments and certain activities just naturally stop. Um, so uh, at this point in time, we've postponed our uh, Fed Cup finals. Uh, that'll be decided later in the year, maybe uh, in November, December. Um, Davis Cup is still on, on tab for November. And as you know, the Olympics obviously uh, postponed till, um, till next year. Yeah. How many staff members are affected by the changes in your operation? Well, I, I, everybody's affected in, in one way or another. We had a very good meeting with our, our team, our staff, and I think that they all saw the importance and, and the reason to you know take some short-term activity to protect the long-term. So uh, those that are furloughed, as an example, were still paying uh, at 80% of their salary. So uh, we're trying to um, you know keep those team members so that when we're ready to return and if we need them on a short-term basis, we're able to call them them back. So, um, and that was about half of our employees. So it was roughly 60, about 63 people. Not, not, not insignificant sacrifices that people are having to make uh, in your federation and other federations uh, in the Olympic sports world. 
it's a it's a difficult time. Have you seen anything to equate with this experience in your career in sport? I, um, you know, I think we all try to draw on uh, experiences that we've had and uh, to to help guide us uh, through difficult times or challenging times. I can tell you that I haven't seen anything this, uh, you know, this magnitude, this uncertainty uh, before. But, you know, there are always principles of, you know, good business, good governance to to try to uh, mitigate as much as you can whatever is uh, is taking place uh, to the best of your ability. Uh, but it's, it is uh, certainly unprecedented in, in my, my business career. Um. And as far as the the players, the athletes in the world of professional tennis, uh, they're getting hit hard, not being able to earn an income. Now, it may not make much of an impact to players at the top of the rankings, but there are hundreds and hundreds of, of players who are trying to move up, trying to make a living, trying to make their mark in tennis. And this is a season that has disappeared what kind of special efforts are being made to to help these these uh these athletes well covid19 has really had impact on on our stakeholders um and certainly patients have been affected tournaments have been affected officials uh traders various federations of course the players have been affected and you know, we uh, are very sensitive to that. Um, we think that health and safety is is our utmost uh, mind as we look at things. Um, but we've been working with the other stakeholders in tennis um, and some of the professional players also looking at ways to contribute um, into a um, kind of a, a hard fund or a solidarity fund where we will be able to take a number of players outside of the, the top 150, let's say, um, that uh, have been affected most. We've announced uh, just uh, yesterday that, that we would be doing so, and uh, we'll have details on this uh, more specific as to the number of players, what the amounts will be. Uh, that we should have uh, finished by the end of the week or early next week, but it's a good sign of you know tennis coming together to uh, work on a united front uh, because these players have been affected. You know, at the same time, from an ITF perspective, we've got to look at um, you know the other stakeholders that we have. How can we help the nations, um, the coaches, the players? So there are a number of different things that we've done. For instance. Our ITF Coaches Academy, we uh, have made it an online free to use uh, course so that not only coaches, but also parents can, um, you know, can take advantage of the opportunity to learn more and even players as well. So we're looking at a number of different uh, things to do with our other constituents because we know that uh, this is a tough time for everyone. And what we want to be certain of is that we have a strong infrastructure when we return to tennis. The, uh, the, there will be, I guess, no Grand Slam for 2020, certainly with the uh, absence of uh, the major tournaments. Um, as 
Well, yeah, for now, what, what we do know is that um, the Australian Open has, you know, has happened in January, but uh, we know that Roland Garros has postponed until September. Uh, the U.S. Open is in September. Um, we know that Wimbledon has canceled for the year. So I think that we'll probably know a little bit more in early June as to what the conditions are and whether the U.S. Open would be able to take place. And then shortly after that, whether um, Roland Garros would be able to, uh, to be played as well. So uh, we, we know that one's been completed, one is not going to be played, and the other two are kind of, uh, you know, waiting for more information to make decisions. What, what, what does this schedule discombobulation, if, if you will, due to the attention paid to tennis, the coverage that uh, broadcast uh, uh, rights holders are able to uh, provide to these events? Well, I, I think uh, tennis is affected uh, just like about every other sport uh, has been. Um, I think that uh, it's important that we keep the um, the awareness and the interest and um, the players have done a, a really good job uh, social media wise and in um, providing some some uh, fun content uh, during this period of time. I think that, uh, we have uh, just launched what we've done is we've had um, about um, 38 um, uh, world champions over the last uh, years, and uh, we put together kind of a, a contest where those players, both men and women, play each other. Uh, so it's kind of a world champions challenge, and uh, whereby consumers uh, vote on who wins which match and how they advance, and and you know. So I think we're trying to to do some fun activities and and um, keep the interest of, of tennis there. There are quite a few um, great uh, matches that are being replayed, whether on you know our, our website or whether on on broadcast around the world. Um, seeing some of the you know uh, great matches and great events of uh, of years past, but we're really anxious to be able to have live content as as soon as we can in a safe way. And then there is, of course, the. Uh, Tokyo postponement that was uh, decided last month. Um, I guess you had to you had to see it coming. You're now a member of the International Olympic Committee and have an interest in it in it that way as well. But uh, um, what did the Tokyo postponement mean to uh, to to to, te to tennis? Well, I think that uh, first of all, uh, we support the decision to postpone. We thought it was the, the right thing to do to give clarity to the athletes so that they understand there was just too much uncertainty. So we support the IOC and, and the Tokyo Olympic uh, Organizing Olympic Committee uh, as well for what they, uh, this tough decision that they've made. Um, you know, for us uh, and, and other federations, um, you know, there is some income that comes from the Olympics that's important. And I think every federation is, is different. For us, um, the Olympics are important, but we also have other world championships in our Davis Cup and Fed Cup and some other events that we have. So we've got the diversity. 
Uh, I think that we're in discussions uh, with the IOC to determine, you know, what the the cash flow implications uh, of this are going to be, and and not uh, not a hundred percent certain, but certainly having dialogues uh, just uh, along with the other, um, you know, international federations. But for us, you know, it's important that we continue to do all the things, that, as many things as we can. Uh, as we move forward, we've had to cut some activities, uh, but uh, again, we've been very focused on what we do to ensure that we deliver our mission uh, as best we can. Do you think the Olympics in 2021 can be the same Olympics that we were expecting in 2020? Will you think there will be changes or modifications or other 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 changes uh to the games a year from now? Well, I, I think personally, I look forward to the Olympics with, uh, with great expectations. I think that it'll be a celebration that the world together has worked through this, you know, a very uh, devastating time of COVID-19 that we will be in a, a safer place to be able to um, host the Olympics and celebrate uh, overcoming uh, as as the world um, COVID nineteen. So I think from a, a tennis perspective, we we believe that you know the athletes will look forward to playing. Uh, we will have the competitions as they've been laid out in both the Olympics and, and Paralympics, and so uh, we're we're excited and, and optimistic about the 2020 uh, Olympics to be held uh, next year. No complications as far as the delay for the venue for, for, for tennis in Tokyo, is there? Uh, no, no. The, the venue um, is, uh, has been completed. We're in, in good shape there. It, this venue is used for, um, has been used for other uh, tennis events um, in, in the past. And so, it remains available and, and ready. And the players who would be uh, competing in Tokyo in 2021, not necessarily the same ones who are on track to play in 2020. Um, well, we expect uh, largely to have the same, um, you know, the same players that will be competing next year. I think a couple of the players have, you know, mentioned that they're disappointed with the delay, but understand it and look forward to competing uh, again next year. So I'm not aware of anyone that's announced any retirements or or anything that would pre- preclude them from being able to uh, to play in uh, in 2021. Not to pick any favorites, but you might be hoping that someone like Naomi Osaka keeps her keeps her form, keeps her health. Uh, in, uh, in in good shape to be able to uh, provide some uh, some hometown uh, excitement for tennis in Tokyo. Well, we we know that Naomi and and also uh, Kei Nishikori will will be you know fan favorites um, for for Japan as the Olympics takes place next year, um, and there'll be many international players in addition to that, but. Uh, I, I think the, the, you know, the outcome of, of this layoff, uh, this lockdown period will be players able to 
you know, recover from any injuries that they would have had to begin training at the right point in time and be able to come back and be fit and prepared and ready to go. Uh, well, well, will the, will the qualification period um, open again for, for tennis in Tokyo or, or, or is it set? Yeah, the um, we're going through those final details now with the IOC, but um, essentially um, it's based on on ranking. Rankings are are frozen at this point in time, and then in addition to to rankings, it's being um, in uh, good standing with your federation and and having participated in a certain number of. Uh, you know, team events, Davis Cup and Fed Cup specifically. So um, we will uh, most likely just be extending that uh, the same date we had this year to the same date next year. And as I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, you're now a member of the IOC since uh, since January of this year. Uh, does that give you any more insight or uh, perspective um, on IOC, I mean, uh, on tennis in the Olympic Games? Does it give you any particular influence or expertise that you're able to provide to the organization? Well, um, first of all, I think, you know, it's it's quite an honor to have been um, elected to the IOC. And uh, I, I really cherish uh, that, that opportunity to be able to try to contribute to the best that I can. What What's nice is I, I think it now adds a different perspective uh, for me to understand uh, the other sports, uh, the Olympic movement in, in more detail and, uh, you know, and the part that every sport plays uh, and, and the way that I hopefully can contribute. Um, I know that tennis is certainly an important uh, part of uh, the Olympic movement um, and very proud of that. And I know that while I've been elected and I'm the person there, and that's my name, um, I'm there as the president of the uh, International Federation uh, for Tennis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I take that very seriously um, to make sure that I represent tennis, uh, you know, in the best way that I can but also to make sure that I am wide-minded and listen and learn about the other sports uh, and make sure that, that I contribute in the best way that I can. Some federations may have much more dependence on IOC funding uh, than other federations. Uh, and do you, f- you feel any, any conflict or difficulties how, how, how to balance that out? Well, I, I think that uh, in, in, situations where you have multiple roles. I think I, my rule of thumb is to always remember where I am and, uh, and in that role, what my responsibility is. So I will certainly input into the process and, and our team, um, you know, our operations team uh, has the discussions with the IOC when it comes to, uh, you know, the operational elements, uh, including the, the financial elements. Um, I will, uh, you know, as an IOC member, it's my responsibility to look for the best interest, look out for the best interest of, of the IOC. 
Uh, I know that some federations are very heavily dependent um, upon the Olympic Games for, you know, to survive um, and to be able to do all the good work that they do. Uh, other federations have, have less dependency and, you know, have confidence that the IOC team will will look at this in the right way and make a good decision and that the international federations will work together and, and understand whatever that um, that ultimate decision uh, is. And you've also picked up as a result of your IOC membership, a seat on the U.S. Olympic Committee Board of Directors, uh, 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 another another job that you have to shoulder from time to time. Yes, and that's been uh, that's been exciting uh, as well. I mean, uh, to to be able to go through this uh, decision making process on uh, Tokyo uh, 2020 Olympic Games, uh, I was able to see it from multiple vantage points um, to understand the impact that it has on the NOC being the USOPC, um, seeing it from an international federation perspective, the player's perspective, the nation's perspective, and then as an IOC member as well. So um, it was quite an interesting uh, time for me to really uh, learn and, and listen to uh, the various constituents and, and how it was affecting them. And for instance, within the U.S. OPC, the many you know national governing bodies, and and just like on an international basis, some are more affected than others. You know, you can see um, that that impact, and and it it is for you know good discussions and good debate as to how you move forward to ensure that sport are be able you know are able to continue the way that you want them to. And another activity where you can participate in additional lengthy teleconferences. <laughs> <laughs> that sometimes happens too, Ed. <laughs> How does this experience with the coronavirus and the oh, the complications, the, the consequences that have uh, uh, accrued to the international sports world, what kind of changes to tennis in general do you think might result from this experience? Well, I think that uh, one of the things, as I look at it from a personal perspective, one of the things that I've learned is um, that during this time, we've made a um, very big use of technology. In other words, the video conferencing, we've had a number of board calls, committee calls, and, and that's now become the norm. And it was interesting on one of the calls the other day, somebody, one of the committee members said, you know, boy, this has really helped us understand how um, we can have very effective calls by being able to see each other by video to be able to feel like we're in the meeting, but we don't always need to be face to face. So I think that coming out of this, we may find that there's some cost savings that we can make by having some some meetings um, virtually just as we are now. As far as uh, coming out of the sport of tennis and what will happen, I mean, I think some of the things that we're going to have to be very cognizant of are going to be, um, you know, the, those initial times coming out. Um, we're going to have to continue the social distancing. There will be our security measures and not security, but safety measures in place. Um, 
you know, for the athletes that are playing, for the spectators that are coming, um, we expect tennis to emerge on a kind of a local basis first. It'll start with a club and a couple of players playing together. Uh, then it'll become maybe a city, a town has uh, events together, and then a country, then a region, and then internationally. So it will be some time before it's back to more normalcy. But I think that we will make sure that we take the, the proper precautions. We're putting together guidelines to help the nations when they run events uh, for the players so that they uh, know what safety precautions they should take and clubs know what they should be doing or tournament sites, what they should be doing for the safety of, of the players, of the spectators. So again, I think uh, some big learnings will come out of, uh, out of this situation. And, and then, and then finally, the, the, the effect this has had on sport in general, it's taken away tennis, it's taken away soccer and football, baseball, all across the world, sports fans are dealing with a with really a void in elite sport. Uh, TV networks are dealing with an absence of events to cover. What, uh, you know, people have realized that what a world is like without sport. Um, what, what will happen next? Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think that helps to showcase how important sport is to our lives uh, for all of us and different sports, the sport that we be uh, in ourselves, but that we watch television and how we cover. Um, I think that um, as sport becomes safe to, to watch in person, I think that you'll see people back in a way and, and enjoy it. Uh, live. I think that we'll also be enjoying it, you know, broadcast, um, streaming, however it will be shown uh, in, in all the sports that will and absorb it and, and probably try to make up for a little bit of the lost time that we have. So I see very positive return, uh, you know, viewership and, and interest when, when sports return and, and tennis returns. Dave Haggerty, president of the International Tennis Federation, IOC member. It's been a real pleasure talking with you uh, again here on Around the Rings Radio. Well, Ed, thanks very much. Stay safe. And thank you for joining us for this conversation in our ongoing series with key personalities around the world of the Olympics and international sports, Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Everybody stay safe. For more than 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics and world sport is AroundTheRings.com.